Let's talk about Tim Campbell rejoining The Apprentice this season. Let's also discuss the Smiling Boys project in Hackney. What about the sad passing of Archbishop Desmond Tutu? And a whole lot more. This is Pablo from Hackney, and this is Pablo's podcast. Thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Welcome. When the missionaries came to Africa, they had the Bible and we had the land. They said, let us pray. We closed our eyes and when we opened them, we had the Bible and they had the land. Desmond Tutu. Archbishop Desmond Tutu, actually. Rest in peace. So, a very powerful quote. Very powerful quote. So it is episode 86, we're into New Year 2022, the first episode of the New Year. Um, yeah, still here, sparking debate. Um, haven't done a pod for the last couple of weeks because it's been holiday season and it was a time to rest up and recollaborate and enjoy the festive season uninterrupted. So, but... So this week's episode is kind of a mixture of the last week and the last couple of weeks, basically. So I hope everybody had a, you know, marvellous Christmas, great Kwanzaa, you know, happy holidays, however you had it. I hope it was a good one. Um, you know, there, there, obviously there's been a lot of lot going on over this period of time. Not as bad as um, it could have been, I suppose. In, in regards to restrictions and stuff. So it's the first Christmas that we've had without so many restrictions, you know, even though there there was some here and there. But yeah, so all in all, not, not a bad time at all, not a bad time at all. And now we're into the new year, like I said. So, um, and, you know, January the 1st is, was, is now passed as at the time of this pod, but January the 1st was a significant day for a few countries, actually. Um, so in 1956, Sudan got their independence um, on the 1st of January. Also on the 1st, Cameroon got their independence in 1960. And Senegal also got their independence on the 1st of January 1960. But the one that really stands out for me is the 1st of January 1804 is when Haiti made history by being the first black republic in the world and the first country in the Western Hemisphere to abolish slavery. And that's a real significant one, you know. Um, yeah, shouldn't be forgotten at all. So, yeah, so we're bang into the new year. Um, you know, there's been some losses, some wins, you know, some gains, etc. But start off with something really nice. It was nice to see Judy Love win um, Christmas Celebrity MasterChef. You know, she's a great comedian, you know, really broke onto the TV screen. Seems like over the past year, really, or a year and a bit, you know, even though she's been around a lot longer than that, but really, like I said, on the, on the TV screen and stuff. So, you know, she's gone... She's on Loose loose Women, you know, but like I said, now she's been crowned the Master Chef. She brought her own little special Christmas um, twist to the Christmas dinner and, and, and won the show. You know, Greg, Greg, Greg Wallace had to hand it to her. Um, I think he said it was nothing short of fantastic. So hats off to you, Judy. 
And um, yeah, hopefully your your years, you know, on in front of the screen and behind the screen just continue to flourish. So hats off to you. That was really nice to see that happen over Christmas for sure. Um, but sadly, you know, speaking about that quote just now from um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, obviously, sadly we lost him um, on the twenty sixth of of December. He was aged ninety. You know, this this man's been around you know, forever, for as long as I can remember anyway. He's always been there, um, always been a positive influence in the world, not just in South Africa, um, in the world. Um, but yeah, he, he's passed now. Um, he was known for being the anti-apartheid leader um, and obviously worked closely to change things in South Africa, you know, to abolish the apartheid system um, enforced by by white minority government against black people in South Africa between 1948 and 1991. So he was fighting that for a long time and, you know, got the Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize in uh, 1984. Um, and, yeah, he's yeah, going to be very sorely missed, a definite force for good in the world, um, Archbishop, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. So, yeah, my thoughts and prayers get to his family, close friends who've lost him. So, yeah. Um, but they are, on another note, they are putting up a blue plaque um, for Darkest Howe. He's going to be honoured with a blue plaque in the UK. And he's another, you know, legendary activist um, from Trinidad and Tobago, born in Trinidad and Tobago. But he, um, he died a while back, uh, 2017, um, age 74. So, and his plaque was unveiled on the 4th of January um, at 167 Railton Road in Brixton. So, so yeah, he, again, he's somebody who's been around for as long as I can remember, you know. Um, he's always been a feature, and he was on the TV quite a lot when I was younger. Um, and he had a distinctive uh, accent and a distinctive way of speaking, which as a kid I found really funny. But, um, but yeah, Dark as Howell is definitely part of my childhood growing up, for sure. Um, and then, obviously, he's, the, the actor that played him really brought he, his, his essence to life in um, Mangrove Nine, which um, Steve McQueen did. Um, and he, he got him down to a T. I think I spoke about that on a pod previously, um, how well that young actor done. I forgot his name at the moment. But, yeah, so, you know, he's be, now um, Darkest Hours being honoured with this blue plaque. Um, and yeah, he—I mean, he was—he was as as much as a um, legendary activist. He was like a seasoned writer, um, key figure across many um, major movements, um, like the Panthers. Um, like I said earlier, the uprising of 1981 um, and the Mangrove uh, Nine um, situation as well. So, so yeah, um, really good that they're. It's good that they're. they're honouring, you know, a lot of these past heroes, activists, legends and stuff, because, you know, they, they, would, they have historically got lost in, in history and in news and things like that. So it's really good that efforts are being made to recognise people moving forward and the right sort of people as well. You know, people that were on the side of good and positivity and, you know, um, equality. You know, fundamentally, both of these people we just spoke about, Desmond Tutu and Darker's House. So, so yeah, um, yeah, glad that they're honouring Darker's House with that. 
So recently just heard as well that the um, in Israel, in regards to the corona side of things, they have diagnosed somebody with what they've called um, fluorona diagnosis, which is basically a rare mixture of the two um, diseases, flu and coronavirus. So, so yeah, so it's dubbed fluorona. Um, a pregnant woman apparently in Israel um, had it um, while she was in hospital. And the good news was the symptoms were, were mild. It, you know, it wasn't anything drastic like that. But, yeah, who knows... Who knows uh, where where this will all lead to in the end, but yeah, fl- Florina, Florona, or is it fl- no Florona? They're calling it. Yeah. So yeah, that is that is the latest name I've heard. Beyond obviously Omicron's becoming a, a standard language, you know, for us these days. But um, yeah, but that's, this is another new one. But. Um, Boris Johnson has said that we're going to, he plans for us to, to ride out the Omicron um, wave with no more curbs, which is good news, you know. Um, and yeah, he said, I think he said there's a good chance um, that he won't be imposing any, uh, anything beyond the Plan B strategy, like I said, which is, is good news. Um, but he did say that the NHS would feel temporarily overwhelmed by the surge of Omicron cases because the, the cases have kind of gone through the roof. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see how it, how it goes. I mean, for me, I, I've, I've been saying, I mean, if you listen back on the pause, I said, you know, if we can stay out of a lockdown January, February, I think chances are, I mean, obviously we can't tell what a new variant and how that would be, but chances are we won't be getting into any lockdowns again. I think, and I hope, you know, these are my hope. If we can survive, because we've survived the Christmas period, our first Christmas, um, whilst having the vaccine, etc. So if we can get through the winter months um, without a lockdown, I can't see why we'd need to go into a lockdown through the summer when everybody's back out and, you know, we're not all locked in, you know, in houses and kind of sharing whatever infections we've got at that time. So... Fingers crossed. I hope. I hope that's how it works out. You know, but it seems like we're on the right route. And and at least um, Boris Johnson is not talking about you know locking us down straight away because that obviously was something that could have happened. And I wouldn't have been surprised if it had happened. But I would have thought it was a wrong move. So um, so I'm glad that he's doing something that seemingly is going to lead us to some kind of normality, depending on on how things go. But um, Professor um, Sir Andrew Pollard, yeah, um, he's a professor who helped um, develop the, Os- the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, um, has, has said that most people, um, most people don't really need the jab. You know, he's, he's really suggesting that people that are, um, people who are at risk should be prioritised for the jabs rather than everybody else. Because I think what he's, basically what he said is it's not really affordable or sustainable to keep vaccinating everybody on the planet against COVID-19 on a regular basis, you know, because there's suggestions that we'd be getting vaccinated every, is it six, six months, three to six months, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this is a professor who's, you know, he, he knows his stuff and he's... Like he said, he's, he's, he's more talking about, yeah, pe- let's have people get um, the jab and 
the continuous jab, but let that be the most vulnerable people rather than everybody else. You know, so so yeah, that's a new perspective on things. So we'll, we'll see where that leads us to. Um, if we're following the science, you know, we'll see where that leads us to. So sadly, the end of um, 2021, um, you know, we hit three, I think there's 30 deaths, 30 young people deaths um, at, at the hands of young people, um, which is a record. Um, it, in 2020, it was 29. But yeah, in, in December, just gone, we had two, two deaths, unfortunately. Um, one was in Croydon, Ashburton Park on the 30th. Um, Zayan Amebo Lina, um, age 15, found with stab wounds. Um, and a 15 year old's been arrested on suspicion of murder in regards to that. So my thoughts and prayers go out to that young man's family and everybody around him. And then also on the same day, um, on the same, no, not on the same day, on the 20th um, in Hillingdon, um, Hillpots Farm Open Space. Um, a 16-year-old male was, was found there with puncture wounds um, and the police have also made an arrest. You know, so my thoughts and prayers go to that young person's family as well and friends and people around him. But yeah, um, it's not it's not a good sign, you know. Any any deaths at all, one more, one less. I mean, it's still too much either way. Um, but the fact that it is going up, you know, the fact that it is going up, and to consider considering that we had a lockdown through that time. But to be fair, that that may have added to things. Who, who knows? I mean, this these things will be unravelled in time when we look back at the data and and the outcomes of, of everything that's gone on over these last couple of years. But, yeah, I, I just hope that we, we find a way to address this, you know, and, and bring that number down dramatically, you know, because it's, it's just a lot. It's, it's a lot, lot of death and a lot of pain. And, yeah, a lot of futures kind of, you know, just kind of ex- extinguished just like that over one action, one wrong look, one wrong conversation, etc. So... Hopefully, us as a whole community can do something to bring those numbers down throughout 2022. This is this is my hope. This is my hope. So, on the other side of the world, in Australia, um, indigenous indigenous campaigners um, were protesting um, and then went on to actually set fire to the old Parliament House in in Canberra. Um, apparently, they they they've been protesting, I mean, been holding demonstrations and whatnot because it's coming up to the 50th anniversary of the um, establishment of the Aboriginal Tent Embassy um, on the formula, on the the front lawns of their parliament there. So these tents, this tent assembly has been been up there since, I think it's 1992. Um, And obviously this is in protest, protest to what's happened since... Um, Europeans come to Australia um, and yeah so you know the indigenous people they've, they've been through a lot you don't really hear about their story when you know when you hear about Australia you know you hear about how well Australia's doing here and there and and things like that but you don't really hear about the indigenous people and what they have been through and what they continue to go through so obviously it's massive for them and it's something that they continuously march about and whatnot but 
obviously it's gone to an extreme situation now where they've they set fire to the to the building. Um, you know, and, and some of the people out there were identifying themselves as anti-government and, you know, sovereign citizen groups and, and things like that. So obviously they're, they're really not happy with their past history and they're not happy with things that are going on there now, you know. So there's, a, I mean, being that Australia is so far, um, I'm sure there's a lot that we don't know that goes on and, and, and things like that. So it is something to look out for and kind of try to understand a bit more, I think. Because, you know, like I said, Australia, when you hear about Australia, you don't really hear about the indigenous people and, and their life and their story. So, yeah, definitely something to look out for. And uh, Dante Wright, who is the young man, the young 20-year-old who was killed by a police officer in a traffic stop um, incident, um, by it was Kim Porter, 49-year-old Kim Porter, yeah, who pulled her mistakenly. She said that she mistakenly drew a gun, thought it was a taser, and ended up killing this young man. Um, obviously, it's been gone through the courts now, and she's been found guilty of manslaughter, and, yeah, will be sentenced um, in February, February the 18th. So hopefully, you know, that gives the, the family some kind of, you know... Uh, there isn't even it's not even a, a positive thing but some kind of closure I suppose um, and I hope the sentence um, satisfies them as well as much as it could must, as much as it can you know as much as it can um, but yeah we'll see um, on the 18th of February so back in the UK um, a police officer um, a metropolitan police officer um, has been charged with um, sexual communication with a child um, police constable Will Bar- Will Scott Barrett, um, who is based in the um, Metropolitan Police Intelligence Command, um, he appeared at Westminster Magistrates Court on the 20th of December, and the charges, as I mentioned, um, go back to February 2021, um, and to, to some incidents that he committed when he was off, well, he's being accused of when he was off duty, so. We'll find out in time how that all pans out. Um, but again, when you when you hear these things about you know police officers, active police officers being involved in 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 crimes, period. But just you know these kind of crimes as well, it's it's horrific. It's, it's, it's I mean it's never good, regardless who's involved in it. But when you hear it's the police involved in it, it just makes it makes the place a little bit more scarier. Makes things a little bit more. Yeah, it just makes things a little bit more scarier because if the police are doing that, you know, these are the people that we look to to, to support and, and protect us. And, yeah, so it's never good. But, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and see how things go with that. So, um, sadly, I mean, earlier on at the beginning of the pod, I, I mentioned it being um, Haiti's Independence Day. But, sadly... Um, during the celebrations on Saturday, marking the anniversary, um, the Haiti MP, Ariel Henry, um, there was a gunman attempted to kill him. Um, He survived, thank goodness. Um, But it just seems to be a lot of... Well, I mean, the last... It was only last year the Haitian president was assassinated, you know, and this is a new president. So there's something definitely wrong 
over in, in Haiti and I just hope that they can work it out and, you know, we can come, kind of, they can come together and do some things around this and just make it a more positive and safe place to be a, a member of parliament because at the moment it, it seems like it's the most dangerous job in the country. You know, so but like I said, thank goodness he survived. Um, I'm not sure too much about what it's all about and why it continues, but it's definitely something that needs to be got on top of for sure. Welcome to Pablo's podcast. Join me on a weekly basis with social commentary on current affairs which affect us the most. Come and muse with me. What you can expect is uplifting, positive discussions, interviews on our social, physical and cultural well-being. Voicing some of the perspectives we share but maybe don't vocalise enough. I'll be going through my bucket list of interviewees over the coming weeks. We're guaranteed to get an honest, authentic perspective and insight into what's going on now. If you like what you hear, please click the subscribe button Please share on your social media apps and please leave a review. Look forward to spending some time with you over these coming weeks. Thanks for joining me. Take care. So, on a more lighter note, um, in Hackney, um, my hometown, um, there's a project that's it's been around for a couple of years now. I think it's about three years. The Smile, Smiling Boys um, project. Um, Smile being the acronym for Send Me Inspiring Love and Energy. Um, so yeah, it was founded three years ago by a photographer, um, K. Rafi or Rafi. Um, but he. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been going on for a while. It's a beautiful thing. You know, it's, it's in response to the rise of violence and mental health issues among young people in the UK. Um, a few uh, organisations involved to help fund it. Um, the Wellcome Trust, um, Paul Heim, Hamel, Ham, Hamlin Foundation and the Arts Council. Um, and their thing is, you know, to primary, primarily... Um, sporting young black boys who are mostly neg- impacted negatively um, by mental health. Um, so yeah, a really, really, really good project. You know, they've taken pictures of these young young black boys, um, set them up around uh, various spaces in Hackney, and one being uh, on Graham Road, just off Mere Street, um, Dawson Lane, and um, Stamford Hill um, Station. So, so yeah, if you're in town, if you're in Hackney, go and check those out. Um, but, it's, you know, it, what it does, it, it's, it's powerful imagery. You know, generally, when you hear about young black boys, you know, you don't hear positive stuff a lot of the time. And, you know, whether you see young black boys or the mental image you have of them will be a stark difference to, you know, these, these photographs, you know, of, of, you know, warm, bright-coloured, you know, young black boys, you know, smiling and laughing and stuff like that. So it's, it's a good image that counteracts the, the, the negative narrative, you know, that we hear too much about. Because often when you hear about black boys, even the imagery, you see articles on gangs, you, see, you hear about youth crime, you hear about youth violence and stuff like that. So it's really nice that there is something out there to, 
change that narrative from a visual aspect as well. Um, yeah, and um, it's, I mean, it's, it's a really good idea. I'd say, I'm, something I'm going to do anyway, I'm going to make a point of going to each of these spots and, and take my own pictures of the pictures, probably take some pictures next to it as well, you know, because I don't know how long they're going to be there. I don't know if it's a forever thing, but, you know, it, it would be nice to, to kind of encapsulate that for myself as well, so... And even, you know, showing other, other young children as well that might not have seen it from other boroughs, you know, bringing them there, letting them see, see these positive images of themselves and, and, and others, you know. So, yeah, it all helps to, like I said, show, change the negative narrative, you know. And the, the Deputy Mayor, Hackney's Deputy Mayor and Cabinet Member um, for Education um, and Young People's and Children's Social Care, Antoinette Bramble, um, she spoke about it, um, saying that she's delighted to have the opportunity to have have this display, you know, um, throughout Hackney and for the young people and, you know, show black boys in a positive light. Like I said, to counter like, those stereotypes and, you know, negative stereotypes that sometimes form. So, yeah. So if you're not doing anything, you know, while it's still there, um, definitely go out and check it out, support it. Maybe take pictures, put them on Instagram and continue to promote those positive images of young black boys in the borough. So um, the Commission on Young Lives, um, the lady, her name is Anne Longfield, she's the chair of the commission, um, and she was, I was watching an interview with her, she was talking about um, the racial bias in children's social care system and, you know, how it ends up putting a lot of black boys um, at risk of harm, um, and yeah, the disproportionality, you know, in regards to black people in care and the fact that they end up staying in care for a lot longer, um, they're subject to the traje trajectory that where the failures, um, failures in preventing them leads to, sorry, failures in prevention lead them to into exploitation, criminalization, incarceration. You know, all of those things. Um, yeah, and she, I've, what I really liked about what she said is she really spoke about um, there, there being a need to have um, black-led services, you know, where people can work more closely with, with the growing number of black boys on the edge of the care system and the edge of the criminal justice system, you know. Um, I think that's a real positive suggestion. I think that's something that they really do need to look at in a serious and sustainable way, you know, over a long period of time, not just, a, you know, over a short period. You know, it needs to be a long and ongoing thing because these, these are not new problems and they're not going anywhere, to be fair. Um, and, yeah, and also she spoke about um, how the adoption of young black boys has fallen, like, 50% um, between uh, 2015 and 2019. So that's obviously going to add to it as well. Um worsen the problem, you know, young boys being drawn into crime and things like that as well. Because it's all connected. None of these things happen um, in silo. You know, they're all, all connected in some way or another. Um, and then also, you know, it leaves, you know, if you're a young, young black boy and you're in care, you're susceptible to being exploited into gangs and everything else because, you know, people that want to groom people, that these are the ideal people to target, you know. So... It's definitely something we need to get on top of. 
hundred percent. And yeah, more more um, more support and like I said, long lasting support, not just for a couple of years or you know, it needs to be an ongoing commitment for sure. So I really do appreciate what she spoke about. If you can if you can catch that interview online, definitely worth um, listening to Anne Longfield, the chair of the commission for young lives. So, um, going back to 2020 with the Edward Coulson statue, um, obviously we watched that statue being pulled down in Bristol um, and, you know, hundreds of people out there demonstrating, pulled it down, flung it into the river and whatnot, and obviously there's been court cases since. But today they have um, been cleared. The four people that were charged with criminal damage in regards to that in 2020, toppling um, the slave trader statue, have been all cleared. So I'm sure we're going to hear more about that going on, going forward. Um, and I'm sure it will have some repercussions in regards to what happens with statues going on in the future. Who knows? But yeah, so they've, all those people have been cleared. Two, three guys and one girl one lady was involved in that so yeah so we're going into a new year um our health has never been as important as it is today you know it's always been important to be fair but you know we're we're as time goes on we are more focused in on how important it is um so new year's resolutions i know some people have them some people don't i think we all on some level get conscious about you know, how are we going to, you know, eat better and drink better and all of that stuff. I think maybe because we generally eat a lot and drink a lot over Christmas and New Year. So, so yeah, so it is a time to, to think about that, to, you know, start off with start off with things that you can maintain, I suppose. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one in past years who's been guilty of, you know, starting a gym membership in January and then going for a couple of months and then not going for the rest of the year. So I think we just have to be realistic about what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, what we can really do and sustain, really, because there's no short-term fix. I think it's about lifestyle changes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as, as you know, we are susceptible to, you know, various ailments um, and there are various things that we can be doing to, you know minimize the risk of those things becoming a reality for us you know so we're not helpless in this situation um but yeah find some i mean you know what did i say 80 percent of it is is what you eat and 20 percent is what you do in the gym or or you know physically but 80 percent of it is what you eat what you're consuming so we need to get on top of that more than anything so yeah hopefully we can do all of that so the um, New Year's Day was the hottest day on record. Um, I think the temperatures rose above 16 Celsius. It was definitely strange walking around and it being so mild out there. It's changing a bit now. It's, it's dipping. Um, I'm sure I saw a couple of snowflakes um, a couple of hours ago. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely changing. But yeah, we hit the warmest, warmest New Year's Day on record. And that all feeds into what we've been talking about most of the year, which is climate change. Um, I'm not sure how many climate change deniers there are out there now with everything that's happened over the past year. But, um, but yeah, it is, it is a reality that we're dealing with. And unfortunately, we've, had, we've just got over the, fire, the wildfires in Colorado, 
which swept through several towns, destroying hundreds of homes, um, thousands of people having to flee their home and whatnot. And, yeah, burning, like, six, I think it was 6,000 acres across um, Boulder County. And, yeah, destroying businesses, livelihoods and, and, and everything. So, and this is all, all connected to climate change. You know, it all, it, all the dry summers and, you know, lack of rain and it being so hot. You know, and then it just takes a spark to kind of get those wildfires going. And wildfires are not new to America. They happen, you know, all the time, but they're just happening more frequently, you know, um, and there's more devastation. So, so yeah, and uh, the experts have said that, you know, America in, in, North, in Western... Sorry, the fires in North America have grown in intensity over the years. And, you know, like I said, that's all goes back down to climate change. Um, luckily, the, it started to snow quite heavily um, afterwards, so that kind of helped to put out the fires as well and douse things down, but it, had, it did also hamper their rescue. Um, so, yeah, a bit, a bit of sweet. But my thoughts and prayers go to everybody out there. Um, you know, for the people that survived, they're going to have to really start again because, you know, when you see the images of what this fire done, it's just properly leveled out these these buildings like they never existed you know just scorched marks on the on the earth really that's what they look like now so yeah thoughts and prayers go out to them for sure and anybody that lost their life through that as well so uh, a fact that i did not know um interesting fact prince charles's aston martin he's got an old um retro aston martin but in his attempts to you know, be greener. He has um, engineered his car so it runs on wine um, and cheese. Wine and cheese way is what it runs on. So I was, I, I, when I first heard it, I thought it was a joke. And I had to do a bit of research and it is actually right. His, his, heart, his car does run on food, you know, wine and cheese, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, not using any petrol anymore. Very interesting. Who knows? It might catch on. <laughs> Who knows? So um, over Christmas, though, I watched a really, really good show. That really, a really heartwarming show with the, with, with my kids and that um, the musical family, the Kenner Kenner Masons, um, who are a classical family. I forgot how many of them. I think there's about seven of them. And they're all musicians, classical musicians. And it was, it was just really nice to watch. They should be on TV every Christmas. That, that kind of visually, um, you know, audio-wise, you know, it just really made my Christmas. Um, I think you can still watch it on BBC iPlayer. It was on BBC Two. Um, Christmas with the Kenner Masons, um, BBC Two. Yeah, so definitely check that out if you missed that. That was really good. And then today I watched a interview with um, Sir Hilary Beckles, um, a Bayesian, um, a Bayesian, uh, um, if he's not an MP, but he's, I forgot what his t- actual title is, but he is really pro-reparations um, for slavery. Um, and not just from a financial aspect, you know, from, from various various types of reparations um but yeah he had he had a lot of interesting things to say um interesting perspectives and 
you know, just acknowledged how different people, you know, descendants of slaves in different parts of the world, like people in Brazil, people in America, people in the UK, the Caribbean, it's all, people want different things and they go about um, trying to get them in different ways, but they all lead to the same place. Um, but yeah, you, you really need to, it's worth listening to. It's really powerful and interesting what he spoke about. Um, and he, and yeah, and obviously highlighting the fact that it all really started in Barbados as well, which I, which I didn't realise, you know, that Barbados was like the first um, uh, slave area set up in regards to the plantations and the whole structure that they put in place for that. So, so yeah, it was interesting that he was, he was being interviewed in Barbados and it happened to be um, that significant. Uh, of a location rather than anywhere else but yeah really good interview it was on BBC News and again you probably catch that on BBC um, iPlayer and he also spoke about Germany's Namibia genocide um, and the apology um, and the promise to develop uh, to send development aid there worth um, 1.3 billion um, so, so yeah he spoke about that I didn't know too much about that as well um, and yeah, that's something I'm going to obviously read up on a bit more in regards to, you know, the tens of thousands of um, people that were killed um, in Nibia by the German colonizers between 1904 and 1908. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of lot of history out there. But again, like I said, it's not what was interesting about Sir Hilary Beckles. A conversation. It, it wasn't just talking about financial reparations, you know. It was the wider, the wider things that need to be done um, for the long-term damage that's been caused. That was that's what really stood out to me. His focus was really on the long-term da- damage, you know, physically, um, nutritionally, um, you know, in in many different ways. So definitely worth watching. Definitely worth watching. Something else I will be watching in the coming weeks is The Apprentice. Um, Tim Campbell will be standing in for Claude, who was injured in a cycling accident, accident, so he won't be on for the whole season, but Tim Campbell will be standing in for him. And Tim Campbell was the first ever apprentice, the first person to ever win it in 2005. Um, and yeah, he went. What was, his prize was he won a job with Alan Sugar, um, earning £100,000 um, a year salary. That was the prize, but since then he, he went on to set up his own digital marketing agency and he was also made MBE in, in 2012. So he's done really well for himself, Tim Campbell. So yeah, I'll definitely be watching watching how he does in the show. To be fair, over the past couple of years I've kind of missed um I've missed when it's when it has been on. I've kind of missed it. It weren't like the old days, but now Tim's coming back. I will definitely be back on it. Um, and support that always an interesting show for sure so yeah so we're into 2022 you know for me it's been a time of reflection a a lot's gone on for me personally over 2021 it's been a really good year if I'm honest it has been a really good year a lot of good things have come of it but there's also been a lot of tragedy you know a, a lot of lot of death you know a lot of sickness and things like that and we've all I've lost someone really close to me um, in 2021, um, really close to me. So, so yeah, we've all we've all had to deal with stuff. But 
in in totality, it, it has been a good year, I would say for myself. So yeah, we just hope hope we can make this year a better year. We put things in place um, to ensure that we, you know, we achieve. You know, we we, we support others. You know, but first and foremost, like us looking out for our health has got to be number one. Health, family, you know, then finances, money the social side of things, you know, all of those other things, but health and family got to be at the top of the list for me. So, yeah, I'm just wishing everybody a happy new year. Um, I hope everything goes how you expect it to go. I just hope that you've got the energy and the stamina to stick through the hard times, you know, that create the good times. You know, it's, it's not just about the destination, as they say, you know, the journey is a big part of everything we, got, we look out to do. So, I hope everything goes how you want it to go this year. Um, and I just wish everybody the best. Um, but I'll be here, be doing the podcast and, you know, sparking debate as we've been doing. So thank you again for choosing Pablo's podcast today. And hopefully you can join me on the next one. Until then, take care and be nice to each other. Thank you for listening to Pablo's podcast. I'm Pablo from Hackney and you can catch me next week for more healthy discussion.